doing this again. Uh, my dear friend, I love being on with you. You kidding? I wish I was. I wish we were doing it together in the same spot. That'd be I, great. You know, we only met each other on Zoom. We mm -hmm. chat on Instagram, but yes. I feel like you're a treasured friend. I really oh, do. Likewise, thank you. God bless you. Thank you you are such a lovely and generous and um Ooh. you have such a warm heart Ooh. and and you're so open thank you god thank you tell, tell me tell we were just talking about what happened this morning you got up at 5 30 this morning tell yeah, us what I happened ran up, when you i got up. up at 5 30 unexpectedly and uh hey you know the routine i ran to the bathroom <laughs> what uh, else hello what else <laughs> i came back in the room i put on turner classic movie just to relax a little bit want to go back to sleep yeah. And they're doing a two-hour special on the life of Dean Martin, right? Right. So what did I know? They're going through. It's about halfway through. And I see him doing a skit. Probably, I want to say 1960, 61. Who's the guy in the skit with Martin? Is Norman Lear. You know, pudgy, nice face, a little bit balding already, but dark hair. And I'm going, oh my God, it's Norman Lear. So I, I finally go back to sleep. I get up a couple hours later. I'm looking at my Twitter. It says Norman Lear, 100 years old. 101. 101. I said to myself, too spooky. Who's I get, you know, this happens to me a lot. I've been doing this since I'm a little kid. Like I'll think of someone and then somebody will tell me something about them a couple of hours later or a day later. And I'm going like, yeah, gee, I think I knew that. Very weird. I, be I believe in all that stuff. Oh, man. It's very weird. But it's there. So, so I don't think of you as like being a comedy enthusiast, although <laughs> um, I did, since the last time we met, I did watch Dearly Beloved, which okay. is a comedy. I mean, it's, it, it's a comedy, fantastic. Right? The first you thing that. you did is a comedy. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going I'm to redo it in the spring. It's going to be the long version. <gasps> the wow. long version. And it is comedic, but it's also, you know, it's a bit of a tearjerker, but. It I is. have so many friends that own funeral homes that I, I'm I'm not without a story to shoot, believe me. Okay, but this kills me because you lost Tony Sirico since you it made did. that film. Sirico July, yeah, that's right. And okay, so we're going to talk about all of this, but how did you meet Tony? Tony I met in uh, a place called Mary Lou's on West 9th Street, right off. I loved Mary Lou's. Ah, you go. You <laughs> go down three steps, right? Okay. So The bar on the right. In. Yep, I walk in on a Thursday night back in 92, Vicky. Summertime, it was his birthday. I didn't even know the guy. I walk in, I see, I say, I recognize this guy from a couple of movies. And you're That's, not an actor. Are you, you're, huh? No, you're not I, an actor. I was at NYU at night taking some film courses, but I had already started studying with Michael Moriarty, the actor. Okay. So I walked in, he spots me from across the restaurant. I go, well, yeah. You an actor? He said, no. Well, I'm trying. Put it that way. Sit over here. It was his birthday. His 50th birthday. He, they had a big cake. It's Sofia Coppola. It's uh, Kathy Scorsese and wow. uh, Willem Dafoe. Huh? And wishing him a happy birthday. Where the fuck did I just like, excuse me, my gentleman. That's quite all right. He said to me, I'm here every Thursday night. You come every Thursday night. You sit with me. He, like we're in prison, you know. Well, okay. I went home. I said to Maureen, you know how to act? Yeah, yeah. I met him tonight. Tell me to come in every Thursday night. We're going to be good. What happened was Jimmy Gandolfini walked in a few months later. And it was always like, hey, how you doing? Hello, how are you? And I recognized him from a couple of things he did. Now, did Tony and Jimmy know each other? 
barely, barely. Jimmy was a very quiet guy. So what happened was, uh, Vicky, that in 98, which is six years after I started hanging out in Mary Lou's, I get cast for the first season, one episode, one. And you have to go to the table read. So I go to the table read at the appointed time, you know, and you got to read the whole script, everybody reads it. And Jimmy's sitting at the front of the table with David Chase. I, so I went, Jimmy, what are you doing? He says, I play Tony Soprano. This was already episode six. I said, I see you every couple. You never mentioned they gave you a show. I answered God. I was in shock. Little did I know I was going to have scenes with him. Besides, that's wow. how quiet this guy was. Wow. Oh, yeah. Like eerie quiet. And and I know that David barely spoke to you, like unless you were oh, gonna die. So did he say anything to you? Like no, that? no, not a word. We had, you know, when I spoke to him, it's funny. It's funny. Last month they inducted him into the New Jersey Hall of Fame. I saw the pictures. Showed up and they they sent the car, nice people, blah blah blah. Oh, you came to see me? I said, yeah, you changed my fucking life. Of course I came to see you. Oh, that's so beautiful. But but no, we never had a real conversation and i started never ever not 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 beyond so how are you how do you feel what's new how's your wife that that kind of nothing and nothing like you take meat out of the out of out of the nut and you, you know nothing like that no no wow. they never told me what to do never told me what they thought the character should be like ever ever and, so uh, all right, we're going to go back and how you started acting. But so where did you get Johnny? Because we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, I taught acting. I, you know, I'm a failed actress, but I was a pretty oh, good sick. I was a pretty good drama teacher. But yeah. but I want to take you. I really want to take your workshop. You should, you know, Are you we'll still doing it on Zoom? Yeah, every Thursday night, Vicki Memorial send you the link. I, I really want to do What time do you do it? Seven seven to around nine thirty Eastern Standard Time. I, I secretary a meeting, but I really want to do. It. But what I what what really gets me about you, I have never caught you acting. Not oh, for God. one second do Thank I you. ever catch you acting. That is and, the best compliment I've ever gotten, my dear. And, Thank you. Uh, and I'm telling you, are not classically trained. No. All right, so so how did you come to this class with Michael Moriarty? Because that's a pretty funny story, too. I wanted, you know, Maureen had said to me, my wife, for many years, she said, you know, you're always watching these these greats. And, and you know, I'm going back to Luther Adler. You remember him? Edward G. Robinson. I'm going back to guys that could really sure. take a scene and chew it up, right? And watch all the other. She said, you love this stuff, that. She said, you know, you could do this. I said, stop. I'm running the masonry business. I, I got to bid all the time. I got to make sure the guys are doing it right. I said, I forget about it. There's no way. She said, listen, my birthday's coming up. She said, this guy, this guy, Michael Moriarty has an acting class. Why don't you go? I said, I can't just show up. What would I do there? I don't even know. What, what do you do? What do you, where do you go there? So um, she called and he said, oh, yeah, send them in Wednesday night. Six o'clock, I went. I sat there, Vicky. I went there for five weeks. I didn't say a word. Five Wednesdays. Finally, the sixth Wednesday, he said to me, you're going to say something? You're going <laughs> to do something? 
I said, uh, yeah, all right. And uh, I started talking about what it was like to find a fucking parking space around your fucking house. He went wild. Now, are you taking it while you're sitting there and listening all those weeks? Are you soaking it up? I'm soaking up the fact that I was watching probably 25 other people act instead of be. Ah, but but Michael's not that way. No, no, no. Michael, Michael inhabits like there's no, you know, for an. Was he busting them? I'm sorry. Was he busting them for acting? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh sure, he would. But you know, his notes used to last about a minute and a half, Vicky. I don't do that. I, you know, when when they're studying with me, I chew them up 10, 15 <laughs> minutes till I get it right. You know, I'm I've, I've got OCD. I'm a taskmaster. You know, but the things that he, you know, this guy is an Irish guy. He won an Emmy for that series, The Holocaust, where he played a a, a Nazi. Oh yeah. Uh, he hardly spoke, but it just radiated, you know. I mean, see, that's why I hate the word acting. I tell my students all I don't like the freaking word. I like the word being. We can all act, but can you be the character? Can we can we can we go there? That's how did I you like. know that? How, how, what What, who who were you here when you were watching those Turner Classic movies back in the day? Right. Who, who I mean, Edward G., whatever. Who, Paul Muni. Paul Muni. Paul, people like Paul Muni. People like uh, um, Edward Arnold, the big, heavy character. You've seen him. You probably don't recognize the name of the book. And these guys were, con- you could see it. They were convinced. They were convinced that they were those characters. They weren't mm. playing the character. And that's an, that's there's a word. That we don't allow it to show at the uh, workshop. The word is uh, to portray or mm. to perform. We don't use those words. I put you in time out if I hear you use that word. I'm serious. Sorry. I, I do. I got a time. Oh, absolutely. I got a big house. Go stand over there. You get out of my sight. You pissed me off just now. So now you have people that are coming to do it live, and then you have, have other people yes, that I are have, doing it. I have 12 that are really handpicked and selected. And they've been with me over seven years. And wait, and they're doing it live in your house? They do it live in the house. The rest are all on Zoom. But this coming, uh, Vicky, this coming spring, uh, as I said to you, I'm going to extend Dearly Beloved. Several of them have part. One of them happens to be a cinematographer who was nominated for a commercial Emmy this past year. He started studying acting with me two years ago. So I've got a built-in crew. I'm going to do the John Cassavetes thing. Like, here's the camera. Here's You're going to go gorilla? Oh, heavily, heavily, because I love it. I love it. So now Tony Sirica had like a, a a juicy role in that. In that. And, and Dearly Beloved, yeah, poor guy, he did. And you know something? I give him credit for getting on an embalming table and in a funeral home in Brooklyn. <laughs> I would not have done it. But I have been on an, an autopsy table and in the refrigerator. Yeah. No. Oh, absolutely. Look up Killing Them Softly, a I, movie I did with Jimmy, Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. Sam Shepard, yeah. I know that. I know that movie. Oh, you'll, you'll, yeah, you just. I have to, I have to rewatch that. You'll see what happens. And yeah, I was, I was on a table for a long time, hours and hours. Oh, my they God. They put me in the refrigerator three times. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was, I, <laughs> that was two months to make that film in, in New Orleans. 
Oh my lord, I can't. So I said to imagine. myself, if I'm gonna be dead, how do you play dead? You don't play dead. Just try and stop thinking. That's not easy. Okay, so how did this innate I'm not I gonna act, I'm gonna be? Okay, okay. You know, thank you for asking me that. This goes back, Vicky, to my childhood when I, I'm like an empath. And I would I was five years old. And I would, you know, my mother would greet someone. My mother was a great businesswoman. And she would greet someone, you know, so brightly and whatever. And I'd say to her later on, but mommy, you told me the other day that that woman is evil. And she's bad and she's a bad payer. And she's a, and you were so nice to her. She said, yeah, I was nice to her. She'll be back and she'll spend more. <laughs> and I realized what I, swear to God, I realized what acting was. Wow. And even people who said to me as a kid, oh, Vincent, how are you? Oh, you look so good. Oh, how's that? You're a great little boy. And then they would turn their head and talk to somebody about, well, you know, that scumbag with that gas station. Nah, I hate that son of a bitch. I'm going, I thought you were a nice person. You smell it. You feel it right away, don't you? And that's where I came into the idea that hopefully, if I ever got into this profession, I'd have to go dig down pretty deep to pull the character out because I didn't want to put it on my face. You know, so I love I love Pacino because whatever Pacino's thinking, you see it in his eyes. I also mm -hmm. love De Niro, but De Niro I think paints it on where Pacino comes from inside out. You know, I think in these recent years, both of them jumped the shark. Yeah. yeah I know. It's it's money. It's yeah. pain. It's painful to watch sometimes. It's very, I agree with you. I, I most definitely agree with you. But um, you know, it's funny you mentioned about catching people act. I uh, we were at the Emmys, you know, and you know we won it several times. And uh, one of the times it was our last Emmy before we went off the air. That uh, Helen Mirren was the presenter, and um, so at the after party at HBO's after party, she was at. And, you know, she's married to the great director, Taylor Hackley. So he walked up to me. Oh, my man. He said, I love your character. Son of a bitch. Johnny Sack. That's great. Da, ba, 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 ba. I'm looking over at his wife while he's talking. to me. So I said to him, would you mind if I go over and say hello to her? She said, he said, absolutely. Not. And she so warmly grabbed my hand in both of her hands. She said, oh, Vincent. Blah, blah, blah. I said, I have to tell you, I've tried. I've got to admit that I've tried to catch you acting, but I never could. She said, nobody ever said that to me before. And you're the only one who's ever said it to me tonight. And I appreciate that to no end, you have no idea. That's but true. for certain people, you watch them, you go, yeah, shit, that is the character. That's not, that's not a paint job. You know, you know who a great actor who, um, Peter O'Toole, Oh, even, even though mom. even though he was of that era where people were over the top, yeah, you know, because I'm thinking of like Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas, who were great, right? Yeah, yeah. But you yeah. could see them acting all over. Oh, the yeah, place. they were big. They were very big. All over the place, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. But if I think about Peter O'Toole, I got it. Right. I got. It. Now let me tell you something. We met him years ago with Dominic Kennesi. Oh. friend that didn't know. Met him, love him. And such a mild mannered. We met him, he had to be already, he was 80 when we met him. Anyway, but you know something, I say this all the time and I tell my students, watch 
English film. Watch English actors. I don't know why, but they bury us in a lot of ways. Mm. Their ease of delivery. They're, they're, the fact that they're completely invested in, in a character, it's scary. Like, Except, you know what? I went to the theater in London for the, I went to London for the first time if, if this past I gotta go year. there too, Vicky. I do. And I'm telling you, Vincent, though, give me Broadway any day of the week. Yeah, no, I got that. I There's got that. no comparison. They're a different animal. When they approach a role, they're a much different animal on film. Yeah, they're on much, film. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think but you're I right. That, yes, I agree with you on that. I do, uh, Vicky. The thing is that it's also a fact that in England, they'll hold the camera on an actor much longer. Mm. We have a tendency here to cut, 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 cut. And we're like, whoa, whoa, man, I just got into this guy. Where are we going? Now he's in another room or you left him? They do it differently over there. And those actors are able to, what's the word, simmer and percolate a little better than we are, than, we're, than, than the opportunity that we're given. But anyway. And I think probably they're not, they don't have the pressure with the money, with no, the seconds no. of the camera, the no, film no, time, and the right. So they no. give them more time. Okay, so so you you were not an actor at all, like no, no school not, plays, no, none no. of that stuff. No, no. So, but you had the passion because you love movies. Was that where it came I from? Loved, yeah, I love the movies. I love the fact that these guys could make you think. You know, I mean, they could make you cry. They could make you. Be very happy. They could make you extremely pensive by the way they 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 um, would inhabit a character. And I said to myself, "What a way to you know instead of writing a novel or painting a picture, I could paint the picture a different way, but just with my body and my voice. I would love to do that." And that's what I that's what I really relish. Vicky. I, re I relish the fact that you know I I I, I become different characters just in my house. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I scare the hell out of my wife because, you know, she'll ask me something like, what do you want? Do you want iced tea with dinner? Or, you know, what do you want? Coke? Iced tea? I said, why why'd you talk to me like that? You talk to me like I'm stupid. I'm not fucking stupid. You understand what I tell you? If you don't understand me, I'll go get somebody to fucking interpret it, right? <laughs> then she goes to me, cut it out. I asked you, what fucking iced tea? But I do different characters. So, okay, so now how did you and Maureen meet? When, when you've been together we forever? Met, we met 1981, Vicky. We met 1981. Maureen was in a place in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey, which is right by Manhattan, having dinner with one of her five brothers. Five of them. One girl, five girls. You believe this? Anyway. <laughs> so I'm standing there. I'm having to believe it or not a club soda. It's very early in the evening. I was going to meet some friends. They were sitting there. I don't know why. We just started talking. We started talking, we, we exchanged telephone numbers, and in those days, you didn't have a cell phone. So if you weren't home to answer the phone, you weren't home to answer the phone. I didn't even have an answering machine. What happened was, Vicki, I lost her phone number. She lost mine. So, four months, maybe five months later, I'm driving in Fort Lee by the George Washington Bridge. I see this girl get out of the car and run into a 7-Eleven. Oh, shit, this girl looks familiar. Is that hot? But I couldn't wait. I pulled over. I left a note. I put it on when my, remember me? Blah, blah, blah. And I put my phone number. And she got, she called me the next day. We got married uh, seven months later. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. Seven months later. It was one of those things. It was either, you know, yeah, let's 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 do it. Fuck it. Okay, so now let's talk about, you know, I, I think it's really fascinating and wonderful. You know, one of the things that was so brilliant about Johnny Sack is how devoted, right, he is to his wife. It's like he's so tender, like here's this gangster, yeah. and yet he's so tender and loving and and loyal. And you are that way with your wife in life. Of and I'm thinking, I, like, did you create Johnny Sack in your no, image that way? No, you know, I have you know, that's a, it's another great question. You got a talent for asking great ones. You really do. <laughs> Thank the you. writing, the writing, Vicky, was so, so specific, and you didn't have to really do a hell of a lot with regard to mentation or what, what's he thinking, what's he feeling, what's he. Um, the fact that he was devoted to his wife is something that was so extremely well written. Mm. That it would have been hard for me to go off the cliff with it. Because our writers were just, they were eerie. They just knew. But I thought Johnny Sack wasn't even, like, how did, Johnny Sack was like a one-shot deal, right? Yeah, in the beginning, sure. In the one episode for a season. They brought me back more in the second, hell of a lot more in the third, made me a series regular, and I went all the way through. But the thing with the wife, the thing with the wife is that supposedly she was a skinny, beautiful dancer. She blew her knees out. She gained a lot of weight. And he loves it to no end. Da, 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 ba, 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 ba. But it was all written. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I think she's gone now 10 years, this girl who played it. She, she mm -hmm. died of cancer. Um, a complete un, 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 untaught girl. She had never. Wow. Nothing. Zero. Okay. So then when they brought in Sidney Pollack. Ginny. Was Ginny her name? Yeah, Ginny. Ginny, yeah. yeah. They brought in Sidney Pollack to do mm -hmm. a scene with me while I'm dying. And I look at the script and I go, oh, shit. She's got a scene in the hallway of the hospital with Sidney fucking Pollack. What's going to happen? But he, you know, such a pro that he was. He walked her right through it, right? Wow. He could smell it. He could smell it, but he walked her right through it. Wow. And I was like, hey, what's going to happen? You know, because uh, she had nothing. She had no zero training. And she wow. didn't want anything. She was the type you couldn't tell her anything. She wouldn't take it. But I'm wondering if the writers watched you and your relationship with Maureen, well, and if know, that might have reflected back to know, them. I don't know, but I, I remember being, we were at some function in Manhattan, Vicky, and David walked up to Maureen, David Chase walked up to Maureen, mm -hmm. and he said to her, you know, we're getting to my wife, but she doesn't look anything like you. <laughs> That's he for turned sure. around, he walked away, and that was just, she told me later, do you know you're getting a wife? No, who told you this? <laughs> She said, David, sure enough, a couple of scripts later, bing, there's a wife. I didn't know. Wow. The fact okay, that so... I almost... No, go ahead. No, you finish. The fact that I almost had a, a guy killed over a remark, I mean, that was a whole storyline in and of itself. What, what do you, what's that? That I wanted Ralphie killed because he made a joke about having a 90-pound mole. Oh, my I mean, Lord. That was, I, to this day, you know, I'm on Cameo. There is, you know, there isn't a day that goes by that one of those cameo requests doesn't mention Jenny's 90 pound mole. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. That's hysterical. Yeah, it's true. It's 
true. Well, Jenny's 90 pound mole. Yeah, Jenny's 90 pound mole. <laughs> you know, she could tip over the state of New Jersey if she shifts her weight, all kinds of stuff. Her blood, her blood type was ragu, you know. Oh, God. Oh, my Lord. So, uh, Okay, so so you're you're not in the in the in the business of show. You're completely doing other things. You're a you're a ma you're a mason. Is that mason. what you're no, called? No, I was I was done. No, I never did the work. No, I owned a masonry company. You own a masonry company. I followed my father's footsteps. He had a very big company. I started on my own. Had a very small company, and um, you know I'm very pragmatic. I'm very practical. And, you know, I didn't want to go audition for this or that. I said to myself, now, you know, Mrs. Smith called. She needs a new retaining wall. Let me go give her a price. Maybe I'll get the work. Uh, this was not on my radar at all. It really wasn't. My wife pushed. She pushed. She pushed. Finally, I said, I'm going to study. I'll go once a week, Maureen. Let's see. Blah, blah, blah. So nothing, you know, I could. I wrote Dearly Beloved because of it. So at least I could do something. So no, how did you do that? I mean, you're 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 not trained to write a, a no, screenplay. I know, I know, no, I know. How do you do that? I, I don't know. I, you know, I was always fascinated with the funeral business. I almost went into it at 18 years of age, and it's just kind of fascinated me. I said to myself, I know a lot of things go on in those places that you'll never know about. Some of it is dark, and some of it is, you know, unfortunately comical. And and it is. And I do have friends who grew up in the business whose families own, they are now own homes. So the, the material is never ending, never ending. And uh, actually, I only wrote it as a five minute script because Moriarty said, I want all of you to write something that lasts for five minutes. OK, so I wrote a script, a five minute skit about a funeral director. It turned into a larger script. Then I found somebody who said, I'll put some money up with you. I'll direct it. Okay. And that's how it, it went along. And uh, you know who wanted it? The guy that does the uh, all the housewife shows. I forgot his name. Young guy with short hair. and He brings them in for comments later. He wanted it for Bravo. He wanted to buy Dearly Beloved a long time ago. I said, no. No, no. You're not buying, you're not buying it. Nobody's buying it. I'll do something with it someday. And now I'm at the point where I want to make it bigger. Well, so now how? Okay, so you've taken some classes. Yeah. You've taken some, you're taking a few film classes. Yeah. You make a movie. So I how know. do you how do you get the budget? How do you put it together? How do you know how to do this? You know, the same way that I knew, um, I knew how much concrete and steel would go into a foundation of a small building and how long it would take and how much I would have to bid to make money. That's how I came up with the budget for Dearly Beloved. I just used the same metrics. Yeah. And, you know. Um, How'd you raise the money? Well, it was out of my pocket and out of the director's pocket. We did it out of our pocket at the time, actually. I think I spent. In 94, I spent myself about 14000 That was good money back then. You were able to make a film for $14,000? Well, $28,000, The other guy had the other half, yeah. Wow. We shot in 16 millimeter color, transferred it over to an Abbott, put it on video. Now that it's on YouTube, I don't even have to put copies on it. You know, I just tell people to go to YouTube and watch it. But um, I don't know how it happened. I, we shot it in six days. 
in Brooklyn. We got all of our locations for a dollar. But that uh, the funeral home was actually owned by real, you know, a real, real guy, you know, in Brooklyn. So he was like sympathetic to it. This is all before Sopranos. Right, right. So, you know, it was like, I, I don't know. I just, I've always had this yen to make it bigger and I'm, I'm gonna do it. In fact, I'm with Buckwald. I told my agent yesterday, I said, listen, I love that you submit me, but I get bored, you know? So I'm gonna start doing my own work. The same way that Jason Alexander uh, did an interview recently where he said, you know, I think the era of waiting around for your agent to call you with a gig is probably over. Do your I own interviewed work. Jason a few months ago. Yeah, he yeah, just yeah. he just uh, directed a show on Broadway. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But he's mm -hmm. right about let's let's mm -hmm. let's do our own mm -hmm. work. Cassavetes mm -hmm. did it. A lot of people did it. Mm -hmm. I think he even talked about it that day. Yes, I'm sure he did because he's like he's a champion of this, and it's a hey, listen. You don't do it for yourself. Who's going to do it for you? You're looking you know, at somebody who's got her own internet talk show. Because nobody will put me on the air, Vincent. Right, and you, you well, let, let me tell you something. Listen to me. You um, you have a way with people. You you have a way with people that I don't, that I don't have. I well, don't I have. Don't I, I can't sit and listen unless they really, I don't know what it is. But you, you're, you're just, you're, you're, not only are you polite, I mean, just polite. You're inquisitive, but you're honestly inquisitive. And that's what makes the show. Thank you. You ask questions that make sense, not Thank bullshit. You. That's right. Thank you. So, all right. So, so you want to do it bigger? Yeah. Or are you going to? Now, your grand was it your grandfather who played the bartender? No, no, no. That was an actor, a friend of mine, Tony Rigo. Oh. No, it wasn't. No, it was not. Because um, it's written in the in the YouTube thing. My grandfather. Yeah, you know, it says no. It says that this kid, Anthony, what's his name? He said, "This is my grandfather's movie," meaning. My grandfather was in the movie. Oh. I never gave permission for this thing to be posted. Now I don't give a damn because it's easy. I don't have to give out copies. This kid's talking about his grandfather, Tony Rigo, who I had cast as Sirico's father. I see. Now, did you ever have a gambling issue? Oh, no. Thank God, no. I know mm -hmm. every penny where it is, when it came in. I know. No, thank God, no. Never. You you before we came on the air, you were gonna tell me how the mafia how the mafia got its name. Oh, okay. Very simply. Um actually the year was 1472 in Sicily. The uh, Sicilian people mm -hmm. were tired, tired of being invaded. They were invaded by North Africans, they were invaded by the French, the Greeks, the Turks. And I mean when I say invaded, plundered, you know, their women were taken, their property was taken. Whatever. The French especially did a number of. They came up with five initials. Morta alla Francia, something independente all'Italia. I don't know, something like that. Meaning death to the French, independence of, I forgot what the last letter was. People think it's a word. People think it's a name. It's none of those things. It's five initials. It was formed to protect themselves because the Italian government, sitting in Rome, couldn't give a damn about Sicily. It's not like you can call the police, they're going to come and help you. They had to start it. Of course, we all know it morphed into something much different. Mm -hmm. But So now, a, did any, uh, were any of your people 
part of this deal thing? Because I know you, you're part Sicilian, part Calabrese, and you're also telling me that it's not the Sicilians you have to worry about, right? Yeah, it's it's the Calabrese. Calabrese is much colder. <laughs> much colder. Much colder. I, you know what? I guess if you go back far enough, we'll find them. I don't know. Mm -hmm. but I'm, I, you know, I'm Italian. But did you grow up with that? Did you grow up in no, that? My father no. was adamant. I was a little kid watching the television series The Untouchables with Robert Stack. Mm -hmm. My father got very upset, came in the room, said, shut it off. What's the matter? He said, that's not us, and I don't want you to see that. And my father was native Italian. He came in when he was 19. A few months later, in 1941, a few months later, he was drafted into the infantry. Never went back to Italy, had no desire. None whatsoever. And my father, he built a big home in Englewood, New Jersey. And when I would be on the side lawn, big corner property, and he'd come home from his job sites, he would holler at me. He'd be six, seven years old. Vincent, what are you doing? What do you mean, Dad? What am I? I'm playing on the lawn. What? What is it? Go on the other side of the house. Why? People see you over here from the street. Yeah. You know, kidnapping in Italy is an industry. Wow. He was paranoid, my father. He was paranoid. That is actually a business. Wow. Yeah. He came from it, and he. No, he was an all-American. My mom was all-American. My grandparents, same thing. And they came from there when they were young. But this was America. I, you know, I had a guy from the Washington Post interview me a few years ago, Vicky, And he said to me, well, you know, you being an Italian-American, so let me stop you there. I'm an American. I'm not an Italian-American. My father was an Italian-American. I'm not. I'm an American, very proud of my Italian heritage. But let, let's stop with the, I'm not. Oh, because, you know, so many of them complain about the image that Soprano, I said, well, change the fucking channel. <laughs> really, somebody got a gun to your head? Excuse the pun. They tell you to watch the damn thing? No. So what are we complaining about? Soprano's did your father live to see the Sopranos? Oh, yeah. My father and was. How did he feel about it? And how did he, <laughs> was he proud of you? He was proud that I was acting. I don't think that I really, I got to be honest with you. I don't think the subject matter interested him really at all. It was the fact that I was, I was doing what I know I wanted to always do. I mean, I could have been an executive, playing an executive at Enron. It would not have mattered to him. It's just the fact that I had gotten to that point that made him very proud. Yeah. And then of oh. course, you know, he met when he was introduced to uh, Chase. Um, and he and he said, Mr. Curatella, how are you? Nice to meet you. He says, I'm the father, you know. <laughs> I know, yeah, you've been, I got you. I'm a, it was very dry, my father. I'm the father, you know. <laughs> I think it's, uh, I, I've, I've heard you, well, we're going to talk about how you got the part of The Sopranos, but I've heard you talk about how important, you lost your mother early, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. um, and your grandmother was a very important person for uh, you. She so was a powerhouse, a powerhouse. How so? Uh, well, I'll tell you, she and my grandfather owned a embroidery and lace company in New Jersey and uh, 63 people, you know, they had a big business and mm -hmm. then it scaled down, scaled down, scaled down. But uh, my mother was diagnosed at the age of, I want to say 37, close to 38. Oish. Once that diagnosis came in, uh, the entire dynamic changed they used to live with us, our grandparents, but not, not elderly grandparents. You know, mm -hmm. they would shop, get up, they went to business every morning, but it was a huge house. Mm -hmm. The entire dynamic changed. 
the mood in the house change? Because I think you know uh, it's not going to go well. You just know it. My mother was not a complainer. Mm -hmm. My mother drove herself to her own cobalt treatments every morning. Drove mm -hmm. herself. Then we'd go shopping after. So <clears throat> she passed. And my mother was an only child, which made it a lot worse. Mm -hmm. So here I am now. I'm 14, just turned 14. My brother had was almost five. And here are my grandparents, my father and my grandparents raising me. Um, and but my grandmother was a was a dynamic force in my business life. And uh, she never saw me get to this point as an actor. But she just said to me, she said, you know, you're special. You're special and don't ever think you're better, but you're special. So the things you're gonna mm. do are not gonna be normal things. I used to go, mama, stop, what are you talking about? Do you think that she is, I think she might be part of the reason that you have this incredible respect for women. And um, I mean, I love the way you speak of your wife. Thank you. And I assume, that it's the way you treat her just because of the yeah, way we, you, you know, always I, speak with her and with such high regard. I do. And look at, listen, look at you. Look at you. You're an ambitious woman. You do what you enjoy. You have ingratiated bold-faced names. It's a big accomplishment, Vicky. It's a big accomplishment. What I have a problem with is when I have seen women striking out saying well you know what uh you know i'm a woman i should be doing this i should be if you want respect you got to go grab it you got to grab my my mother my grandmother my other grandmother they were all in business back in those days they, they were you couldn't get a bank loan for christ's sake right somehow some way mm -hmm. all became successful and that's what i respect about women i respect when they just go and take it Look, I did it. I love you. I love you. I don't, men too. I don't like whiners. You get guys who say, well, you know, if I would have had the representation I should have had, I'd be a part of it. Bullshit. Oh, bullshit. This is America. Wake up. Go grab it. You'll be all right. Stop complaining. That's what I love about women. I love women who take, but take in a good way. But you're also very protective and, and nurturing supportive uh you know Res Vicky, respectful just, you're all those things we had a we buried we buried a, a student of ours last saturday i'm so sorry a girl she was 34 oh she was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was 26 oh god they wouldn't give her a mammogram they said you're too young you don't need one she said i have a little blood over here i want a mammogram she pushed, she put, they finally gave him choreographer, backup dancer for J-Lo, backup dancer for Madonna. San Francisco 49ers cheerleader. I'm going to give you her name. You're going to look her up on Google. Um, she spent eight years at stage four. Oh. She was fabulous. I met her a year and a half ago. I said, do you ever have any interest in acting? Oh, my God, yes. I said, well, you come. You come. How, how did you meet her? Uh, she was being interviewed on a talk show. And it said on the bottom, she was being treated at Hackensack University Medical Center. And at the time, I was on the foundation board. 
So I said, well, how do I reach this person? Because there's something about her. There's something about her, blah, blah, blah. I went on Instagram, she was right there. So we made contact. I invited her to our Saturday class. She came in with bells on. Never had let nothing. She, you know what she did? She did a scene where she played Johnny Sack in a meeting with Tony Soprano and, and Silvio, who were also played by two actresses instead of two men. Wow. And, and did it well. And and they did this on Zoom? No, no. Yeah. No. Oh, in your living room. And okay. then I had I had it filmed. Wow. But the point I want to make is this girl never never not smiled. She never not encouraged somebody. If you mentioned to her your ankle hurt, that was the big deal of the day. We gotta help Billy's ankle. This girl had fucking cancer, you wouldn't believe. But I'm gonna give you the name and you're gonna look her up and you're gonna go, oh shit. Go ahead. Olivia Hutcherson, H-U-T-C-H-E-R-S-O-N. Okay, I'm going to look her up. You uh, you, uh, YouTube her or whatever you want to do. But the point being, nothing kept her down. This is a, this is a very frail little girl, petite, you know, a dancer, ate well, mm -hmm. ate the whole bit. And uh, had a very, very abusive relationship. I, I never met the guy. Physically abusive during cancer treatment. I mean, oh. how bad can you fucking get, all right? But the resolve of the female is something that I've always been in awe of. In awe, I swear to God. Because, you know, listen, the great Alan King. I loved Alan King. He told the joke in his career. He only told you stories. But he did a classic story about, it was called Survived by His Wife. He used to take the New York Times obituary and start to read Herman Fine, West 48th Street, David about 94 years old, survived by his wife, Irma, 102, because they last long, <laughs> stronger. I'm telling you the truth. I grew up with this, but I didn't grow up with women who didn't want to be feminine. They were very feminine. They were very strong and they were very successful. But they didn't lose the girly thing either, though. That's how I felt about it. Wow. Okay, so let's go back to uh, to how you became an actor. So, so you're 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 in this business. You you followed in your grandmother's footsteps. You're a businessman. You have this sort of dream. You're watching Turner Classic movies. Mm -hmm. Maureen right. says, "Okay, go do this thing. Go yes, follow this dream." That's right, 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 and right. and what happens? What happened was I went to my very first acting class uh, on West 58th Street, opposite corner from Carnegie Hall, was Michael Moriarty's pre-war gorgeous frigging apartment. And I said to, as I said to you, what am I doing? Why, you know, is this gonna cause me somehow, some way to be a character in a movie or television or on the stage? First of all, I'm a stage fanatic. I could spend the next 24 hours of my life every day on stage as a character. Film is wonderful, so is TV, but there's something about being on stage. Mm -hmm. um, and as I said to you, I didn't do very much in the beginning at all. His notes were very sparse. His, you know, his criticism, if you want to call it that. But I'm going to tell you one thing that he taught me. And this, I, when I say this to people, they think I'm insane. They said, what, what did Moriarty taught, teach you in three years of you going there? I said, well, he taught me how to breathe. Did what? He taught me how to breathe. 
what are you talking about? He taught you how to breathe. Won't you take an act? Yeah, he taught me how to breathe. Now, here we go. He studied with this guy who, where was he? Minnesota Guthrie. This guy can't remember the first name. He was supposed to be like a guru, like Lee Strasberg. Mm -hmm. He took Moriarty on. Moriarty spent four years there learning how to breathe. I know this sounds stupid. No. But uh, watch me now. I'm going to give you an example. You see, you ever watch uh, those crazy movies from Canada? The, what is the Hallmark the channel? They got these stiff actors. Well, you know, Bill, I, uh, whatever it is, right? <laughs> you know, the shoulders come up, they draw the <laughs> breath, right? <laughs> if you, you see it the way you and I are speaking, we have some, we have, we have enough breath in our stomachs to just talk. Just talk. That's all you're going to do. Listen and talk. Don't try to get a big deep breath. <laughs> now you say, you say, yeah, but that's easy. No, but it's not easy. It's all about this. It's the breath. It's always Interesting. The, always the breath. Because listen, your husband nudges you early in the morning. He goes like this in the bed, right? Vicky, what time is it? Uh, 6.10. You had enough air in your system to say 6.10, didn't you? You didn't have to draw a breath, did you? You see, that's what separates realism from the fake bullshit. <laughs> this is what I did for three years. Oh, while I was working on characters, of course, but he would catch you. He would catch you. You're trying to come out with too many words in one breath. He'd stop you in a heartbeat. How come you're not breathing? Oh, shit, he's right. I wasn't breathing. Therefore, it wasn't real, was it? Let's try it again. I know, this is surreal, Vicky. No, this, no, no, no. This makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. It's about it's about breathing. It's also about, and I tell all my students, listen, <clears throat> you just did a three-page scene. What happened? Was the, was this character born into the three pages and then he's gonna disappear? He dies. Where was he before he walked into the scene? Oh, uh, I said, Well, was he getting his keys? Was he late to go to the bank before they closed? Then he came in, he did this. Where's he going after the scene? Everything has a, a pre-life, a life, and an afterlife. Right. This, is, this character didn't exist in three pages. He, he's he's old, whatever he is. He's still, where is he? Where, where, where? And it's another thing, too. Why do you stand in place and deliver a line? Or you stand in place, do you ever wait for, I, I, I went to school in Manhattan. I had to wait for a subway. I didn't stand there like this waiting. <laughs> I'm looking around. Where's the train? There's a pretty girl from the high school. She's over there. Blah, blah, blah. You do things while you're waiting, don't you? Oh, of course. The best thing is they come in with two bags of fake, you know, make-believe groceries into a scene. Oh, hi, Mom. How are you? just dropped the fucking groceries <laughs> Be aware of what, what's involved. That's all I ask them. My Maybe. favorite actors are the ones that you watch when they're not speaking, right on okay. stage, right? Exactly. You go you go see a play and it's the ones that have no lines. That's but it. they're right, That's but it. they're Brando did it. Brando did it in the audience was Eli Wallach, uh Martin Landau, Wallach's wife, Ann Jackson, back in the late 50s. They go see some off-Broadway play. They're all there. I don't know if Lorette Taylor, they're all in the audience. And it's a scene like in a farmhouse at a dinner table, a family, a farm family, talking, they're eating, they're talking. 
Then there's a little staircase behind. And they see a guy come down about the first five minutes of the first act. The guy comes halfway down the stairs. Young guy. Sits on the steps. Does nothing. Does nothing. There's no dialogue. They're, they're talking about him, but not to him. Right? Right. <clears throat> the play finally ends. They're all out on the sidewalk. Wallach, his wife, Martin Landau, Barbara Boehner. Who the fuck was this kid? What? Who was it? You saw he sat there. He didn't do anything. It was Brando. Wow. It was his first play. Wow. And he just knew how to be there and do nothing. You know how wow. odd that is? Wow. So consequently, everybody's going, what'd you think of the play? I don't know. I forgot. I'm just watching this kid the whole time. He mesmerized you because he did nothing. Wow. Right? Okay, so let's talk. So talk about doing that, being nonchalant about things. I know this story. So, so you, you've had a few acting roles, you you do you do your own movie, Mm -hmm. which you're gonna which you're gonna do bigger now, which Mm -hmm. I I think that's absolutely thrilling. Do you have a cast in your head? By the way, I do. Actually, I do. We're getting there. But you're always welcome, my dear. Is there a part for a blonde? I write fake blonde? I write as I write as I go along. Oh, oh. Ah, I do. I like it. Absolutely do that. Yeah. I like it. You fly in, Zippy, and we got you. Yeah. I'm 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 on my I'm buying my ticket. I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. I don't I don't BS, you know that. I can tell that. I know that about you. All right. So so you've you've done some stuff. I think you did law did you do law and order? You did I did law and order because Moriarty got me the part. That's how I became a SAG actor. Then of course many years later. Uh, did I did it again. Uh, yeah. Now, now I'm a recurring judge on SVU. Right. So, so all right. So, so that. now it's coming time. Now the, the way you get the audition for the Sopranos is through Tony Sirica, correct? No, no, I no, had, no. I had an agent, a woman agent. She was, you know, a very small fish in the pond. Where's my thing? And I was doing an NBC movie of the week with Chris Nolf called Exile. Where his character from Law and Order punched out a New York City councilman. They exiled him to a precinct in Staten Island to look for a twin girl committed suicide. It's a two-hour television movie. Dabney Coleman's in it. I forgot whoever went up. We're filming on Staten Island. The girl calls me the agent. She says, listen, there's this character, Sopranos. Now, mind you, the show had not aired yet. First season. I said, yeah, I know Tony Sirico, a friend of mine, has got a part, to the bop, to the beep, to the bop. She said, well, I got an appointment for this guy, for Johnny Sack. I'm going to fax over the, the sides to you, the pages. I said, yeah, all right. Uh, said, meanwhile, are you still going on Thursday nights to Mary Lou's at this point? <laughs> you are? <laughs> okay. But um, I got to be honest with you. I said to myself, this sounds to me like a Bronx tale meets Goodfellas. Nothing wrong with either one, but I kind of felt it was just going to be a garlic and oil, I'll say a guinea friggin' movie. And I wow. wasn't interested. So wow. she made two appointments for me. I, I didn't go to either one of the two. She said, I got them on the phone. They saw your picture. Blah, blah, blah. I got you a third appointment. You're going to have to go. Ah. <laughs> 
Now, why, I, why are you resisting? Oh, because you I think it's garlic and oil. You? I don't. No, it wasn't. No, but it wasn't that. I was busy. I was shooting this thing with Chris. I didn't have a big part, but, you know, it was a lot of work for me. Mm. Yeah, so what I did was I, you know what I did, Vicky? I ran home finally from the set of Exiled. And I don't know, I changed my clothes. I had something to eat. I ran back into Manhattan. And I got out of the cab on West 72nd Street. They were doing some casting upstairs. And what happened was I got out of the cab and I was a smoker. I, I said, no, nah, fuck this. You're not going to light a cigarette. I want to relax. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm on West 72nd. There's, there are puppies in the window of a pet shop. Over here's a good shoe I'm looking around. I light the second frig. I'm already late. Wait, wait. Finally, I said, okay, you know what? Just, I want to turn off the noise in my head. Let me go up to this audition. Is that your MO, Vincent, to be late, to be kind of like oh, that? I'm an early guy. I'm an early guy when I'm enthusiastic. I'm always early. No, 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 I'm always early. But, you know, it's, listen, you know, I nobody knew me. I'm going like, they're not going to give me the friggin' part. What am, what am I killing myself here for, you know? But I went upstairs and I walked into this giant room and there was only one woman, one person in the room and she's like in the middle of the room at a desk. And she's got pictures and resumes, pictures and resumes, she's got glasses on, you know. She's looking down. She didn't even look up at me. She heard me coming in and she goes, you're late. <laughs> I said, okay, you're yeah, not a problem. I'll leave. Hold on. They send you the pages? Yeah. All right, sit down. I'm going to read the scene with you. Okay. We read the scene once. It was about five, six pages. She said to me, uh, it was a Thursday. She said, I want you to meet somebody Monday. But you're going to be going to Silver Cup in Queens. Okay. 11 o'clock Monday. 11 o'clock Monday. So I get there. I'm early. I'm sitting in the waiting room. And I can see all these guys' names. So-and-so, so-and-so for Johnny Sachs. So-and-so for Johnny Sachs. Callbacks, you know. So I'm sitting there. I'm listening, Vicky. And everybody's screaming. I know the dialogue. I memorized it. And they're all screaming these lines. I'm going, oh, shit. That sounds terrible. So finally, they said, uh, Mr. Curatelli, you ready? I'm ready. I walk in. I said, well, Mr. this is Mr. David Chase. This is so-and-so producer, so-and-so. Hello, how are you? They're all sitting on a couch. There's an easy chair. They said to me, uh, the reader said, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. We begin the shot of the scene. I start to whisper. <laughs> I'm here farting now. They're leaning over. <laughs> said okay uh, thank you and i remember now is this something that you had pre i figured i figured i said you know if a guy's powerful why why the fuck is he screaming i mean i'm gonna tell somebody very smart i have to yell at you i'm gonna kill you done we're done <laughs> so that's how i did it and the next morning vicky 11 o'clock my agent called me and said they offer you this role so, okay, good. So, but so one offer, no problem. Whatever. One is better than none, right? But it turned into what it turned into. And that was it. And so, from what you've said, <clears throat> they didn't tell you who Johnny Sack was. They no, didn't they give you did, a care. But... So, how did you create? Did you create the before life? Okay, this is who Johnny. Oh yeah, was? yeah, I did, I did. But I'm going to tell you something. 
only only on set when i was home or on the way to shoot those couple of days my first couple of days i didn't think about this guy at all when i got there and i got into my trailer and there's my wardrobe for this scene that scene whatever then i said to myself yeah this guy he really he wants something from these jersey people you know he wants to go back to new york and say hey i grabbed a piece of jersey this is a feather now in my cap. Don't forget that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I have to tell you, you bring that up. Subsequently, there was never any preparation. It was the kind of thing where you went on the set, and I went on the set for years, knowing, of course, completely memorized, because you cannot mess up in front of them. And I would just, you would hear action, you go, oh, yeah, Johnny. And like Johnny would start talking to me, you know, and then I just was Johnny. And I wanted to have a, did you have a method for that for, 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 for learning lines? I mean, yeah, well, you know what I do with lines? Um, I say them out loud to myself, Vicki, the same way, <clears throat> you know, when you're a kid, you learn how to say prayers. Mm -hmm. You didn't read them because you were too young to read them, but you kept hearing, 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 hearing. So I would use muscle memory, whatever the line might be. Tony, you sure you really want to go down this road? Tony, you sure you really want to go that? So finally, your lips will do it even if your mind blanks out. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And did you make a decision? Like, how did Johnny Sack feel about Tony Soprano? Because to me, it looked like we talked about this last time. And I told you, I re-binged the whole thing and yes. just as brilliant today as ever, and, and maybe more so even for me. Um, did you guys decide together? Did you decide on your own? Because it seemed to me you had great love and respect for each other. We, we did. We did. We did. And I have to tell you something. Not once did Jim or anybody else on the show ever walk up to me and say, hey, you want to run lines before the shot? No. And I certainly never asked anyone to do. We he was memorized, I was memorized. We would just go for it. But within, of course, the context of you, you know, you you were not permitted to ad lib even a syllable, Vicky. Nothing. Wow. Nothing, wow. nothing, 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 nothing. Mm. Not a word. So he's locked. I'm locked. Now we're gonna go. Let's see what happens. And I think that was the brilliance of the fact that the writing, as I said to you, was so descriptive mm -hmm. and so specific. That it was hard not to be that character. So we never we never rehearsed. I mean, you would have a, a a camera rehearsal when you got there in the morning only for blocking. Other than that, you know, nobody got together off to the side. Well, let's run line. No, man, what are we like? We're in high school. I know what I'm going to say. You know what you're going to say. So let's do it. I'm serious. That's the way it was. Mm -hmm. But no, I never, uh, as a matter of fact, Oh my God, we had so many conversations, me and Jimmy, about you going to that benefit Saturday night? You know, they're sending a car. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go to ask Maureen. But this was the conversation. Right. It was never about the character. I mm. went out my hand to God. It was never about the show. Ever. Wow. Never, never, never. And you know something else? Or either. I was trained this way, and Jimmy was. I was trained to take the ball, football game. Go over the gold line. If I got to destroy four guys on the, in, 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 in the interim, I'm going to destroy them because it's up to me as the actor to deliver that message, to get the ball across the goal line. So if you ever hear an actor say to you, oh, you know, you're not giving me enough in this scene for me to work off. That's bullshit. 
you got to work off yourself. You have to have be convinced enough of the character. You don't need anybody standing in front of you. The great Rod Steiger, who I had the pleasure of having conversations with. Really? Waterfront with for Brando, with Brando. They did that fabulous scene in the back of the cab, two brothers. You should watch out to me. You're my older brother, blah, blah, blah. They did the two shot. They did Brando. Then he tells Ilya Kazan, I got to go see my, my analyst back in Manhattan. They leave Steiger alone. Steiger does the whole thing with a script girl. You didn't have to give him anything. He already had what he wanted. Wow. That's correct. Wow. That's correct. So what do you do when you catch somebody acting in your, uh, in your I workshop? Bust, I bust them out immediately. I bust them immediately. And I tell them all the time, well, you, you, are you a dance act? What are you? Are you, are you a singer? You're not <laughs> acting. You're, you're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. So why don't you stop trying to get attention? And Did have you, you seen these kids, these young adult, old? I, yeah, these... I, got, I got all ages, yeah. And can, are you able to coach somebody to stop doing that shit? Absolutely. 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 You know, um, I'll get them. If I see them, I think they're running too hot. Let's put it that way. I'll make them sit down or stand outside and do something. And, or I'll make them sit in the front of the class for five minutes. And you got 15 people staring at you. And I say to them, what do you look like when you're alone in a room, in, at home, in your bedroom, in your kitchen? What do you look like? Are your shoulders really that squared? Do you really hold your stomach in like that when you know damn well nobody's looking? No, well, that's what I want to see. And we'll start there. Wow. I love it. It, it works. It, I, I believe it works. You bring, you just boil them down, boil them down, boil them down till they're hardly even speaking anymore. Then we can begin. Wow. Okay, so now you're going to approach this character in Dearly Beloved that you played a long time ago. <laughs> are you going to, are you going to have, is it, are you, do you have a different approach? Do you have I, a you different? You know what? I'm, I'm going to be in it, but, 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 but economically be in it. Uh, there'll be somebody else in the role that you saw who will be uh, my son. And unfortunately, he took after me as a gambler, but he's got a heart as big as the moon. So you'll see me in there a little bit, you know. But oh, you're you know, not going to play the central character? No, I won't. No, no, he's too, uh, I'm too old. I, you know, I should already have my life in place. I'm saying that this guy's got to be about 30 something years old, you know. But um, I have so many tricks of the trade been told to me by my funeral director friends that I, I'm just so anxious to do it now, you know. So have you, are you updating the script? Yes. As a matter of fact, I'm digging out the script I had originally, which was way over an hour, but we compressed the 29 minutes so that we could submit to festivals back then. We won a couple in Manhattan. But no, this is the one hour and probably go over an hour script version. And I assume you're going to direct it. Yeah, this I will direct, yes. Well, this is very exciting. Thank I'm looking you. forward to this. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for you. And there will be a trip to Italy in your future. Sure I'm, I'm... Absolutely will be. Absolutely. And there'll be a few, there'll be a trip for you to New York and Northern New Jersey. You know, I, I, to I take you out to dinner, my girl. I, I would love that so well, much. You, you, 
You give me, you, I don't care what you do. You give me a week's notice that we will meet you. And I would love to come and, and be in person in your workshop. I mean, oh, it's you, been a long time since I've been. beautiful home. It's in the cul-de-sac. It's very tranquil here. And that's why the work gets done. I would love that so much. Vincent, thank you so much for. I love you. Vicky. You, I really you know, do. I, I so adore you. I, I can't even express to you how much it means to me that you'll jump on Instagram and just shoot me a little note. You're just oh, always yeah, encouraging. I, just... I love I love ambitious people. I love beautiful blondes. I mean, come on. <laughs> so there we go. I say it in front of my wife. She's thank you so me. much. Have a, have a wonderful trip, and I hope Maureen's shoulder does Yeah, we're going to do that early January. It's going to be a little tough, but we'll get it done. Have a Merry Christmas. God bless you, you too, and your husband, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. Take Bye -bye. care.